stabbing to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzed on Movies. I'm Teddy. And I'm Matt. And we're here this week to talk to you about a horror movie that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, and that sort of just captures a whole segment about why we're buzzed on movies. VHS. VHS. 2012. Yes. This is a very... Iconic horror film. Um, <laughs> We're giving it the iconic label. Yes, it is oh hashtag iconic. It's almost um, a decade old. Yeah, uh, wish I it's surprising that it's it's that it's been that long since VHS came out. I I, I can still remember. I don't. I, I was seeing this when it came, came out. out. Um, yeah, um, and I think we're going to end up covering the whole series at some point. We're not yes. gonna. We're not necessarily gonna do them all in one go. Or in back-to-back episodes, but we will be covering these it in the future. So stay tuned for those. Yeah, um, yeah. But before we dig into this week's movie, um, let's talk a bit about what we've been seeing recently. So, Matt, have you seen anything interesting? Well, you know, I have. I so I did watch Judas and the Black Messiah, which is like the one big like recent release that I guess I watched. Um, and that was really good. That was a very good movie. Um, I did watch Willy's Wonderland. I think that was after our last recording. Um, yes. We have not talked so, about that yes. yet. So I have seen that. Um, Willy's Wonderland being a horror movie featuring Nick Cage fighting Chuck E. Cheese animatronics. Um, not literally Chuck E. Cheese branded, but it's just, you know, it is Chuck E. Cheese. It would be great if they actually licensed the Chuck E. Cheese brand. Chuck E. Cheese literally could not do that. They literally had to, like, come up with a fake name to get people to buy their pizza. They are not, they cannot take the hit to their reputation. Um, it's really funny how there are all these different, like, well, obviously there's Five Nights at Freddy's, and there's other, like, movies and stuff as well, touching on this theme of, like, fighting demonic animatronics and all of them very clearly take notes from Chuck E. Cheese, but they can't explicitly reference Chuck E. Cheese. So it's like, we all know what brand they're talking about. We just can't actually reference it. Yeah. Because Chuck E. Cheese is like the premier children's establishment with animatronics. Like that's the one, that's the one we all know. We all, we're all completely familiar with it. The giant rat that's going to like, I don't know, serve you pizza. Um, yeah, I, I did think it was interesting though. You, you know, you mentioned there are other movies and games and stuff and there are, and five nights at Freddy's is like the big, the big media piece now. Right. Um, but th- there were a, a number of reviews like on Letterboxd that were like, as far as the genre of fighting evil animatronics goes. And I was like, it's not like a big genre. Like, it's not like, like we're not, there's not a glut of this. It's not its own sub genre yet. Like, Calm there down. are a few things like um, there. There's like a short horror film that was on Hulu. Yes, there is the short. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Me neither. But it's the one where the thing like it eats them whole. It like engulfs them. I think we're talking about the same one. Um, yes, that sounds right. Yes. Yes. It's part of the like they have a Hulu has a whole series of short horror films. Yeah, it's and that's, the it's it's. 
it's not connected to Into the Dark, right? Because like, Into the Dark is its, its separate thing. Um, very confusing. I need to watch more of the Hulu horror. That should be a thing I do. But um, yes. But I just like, I don't think it's like, it's not like, you know, they're like, as far as this sub this genre of like horror goes. And I'm like, well, it's not like zombies or vampires or werewolves. Like there's not like this surplus of like animatronic fighting. In fact, I wish there were more of them. Like it's called the hug, by the way, and it's part of the Halloween series. Yes, um, they came out with around Halloween one year. Yes. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. There, there's definitely a few bits of media out there, but I feel like it. Yeah, calling it a genre is maybe a little too I mean, far. And, and I do think they're all like they're inherently sort of memorable. So like, there's a risk of like you know. Like, there shouldn't be a wave of horror that all does it because it will... It's the sort of thing where it's hard for it not to feel like it's, like, ripping off other things that did the exact same right. thing. Um, it's it's kind of like Slender Man, you know? It's like there's there's sort of like a, a pantheon of films that touch on this same similar topic, but right, uh, right. not... You don't want to overdo it with this sort of thing. You don't. Even though it's don't. it's a, it's a interesting premise, but yes, can be run into the ground. Yes, but this you you ended up liking this um, the Willy's Wonderland film. I did. I did think it was like great, but it was fun. Um, it's fun to see Nick Cage do like an obviously like low budget, low production quality horror. Um, he does not speak in the film. Um, oh, yes. So, but it's it's very fun. He's still. I mean, it's Nick Cage. He, um, he is very very good regardless. Um. It's it's interesting that his character doesn't speak, um, but yeah, it's a uh, it was fun. Like I had fun, that's for sure. It just wasn't like you know I'm not gonna say it was like the best movie ever. Um, <laughs> I could wish for a little bit more from Nick Cage fighting animatronics than what we got, but we still got Nick Cage fighting animatronics and including like curb stomping and things like that. So I'm not complaining. Um, <laughs> that's pretty great. Yeah. I do want to see an animatronic get curb stomped, so I will probably check that out. By Nick Cage. By Nick Cage, no less. Um, it's very important yeah. that it's Nick Cage. It's not just anyone. Uh, <laughs> so uh, That's really the only new stuff I've watched, honestly. Um, otherwise, I've been watching older stuff. I watched all of the Wrong Turn movies in one day. Um, <laughs> that was a fun, fun day of just watching people get m- mutilated in the backwoods of West Virginia. Um, so... Drinking moonshine and watching some cannibalistic uh, incest going on. Yes, that is exactly what it was. Fortunately, they don't force you to watch much of the incest, but you know it's there. It's happening. Um, That's good. Um, yeah, I'm glad I don't have to see it. That would be that would be very alarming. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I I've watched a couple things in the last week. I uh, I watched that movie. Uh, I care a lot. Starring nice. Rosamund Pike. Yes. Um, that's on Netflix. Very good, very frustrating movie to watch. Uh, oh. It's one of those sort of things where you just get so mad while you're watching it. And you're like, come on. Like, <laughs> Rosamund Pike plays an absolutely despicable character. Um, she's just horrible to the utter core. Um, she's really enjoyed doing that. So. Yeah, <laughs> she's great at it. She absolutely knocks it out of the park. Like the entire time, I'm like, "Fuck you," and I'm like, "But I'm also like, 
you're doing your job perfectly. <laughs> like you're, yes. she's doing yes. exactly what she's supposed to. Um, it's a great movie. Um, I don't want to give away the ending, but it's interesting. I'll say that. Um, it, it, I ended up being satisfied with the movie. Um, okay. I was, I was worried throughout much of it that it was not going to end in a satisfying way, but it did sort of. Um, so it it was good. It, It was great all the way through. Um, and it has a small part by uh, making Blair, which was oh. uh, really interesting to see him in a in a more mainstream film. He um, he's known for being in a bunch of uh, Jeremy Saulnier films, uh, Virginia Local. So um, good to see him. Well, Blair isn't, but Saulnier is. But yes. it's it's good to see making Blair doing bigger stuff. So. Yeah, I saw that. I also watched uh, Coming to America for the first time nice. <laughs> recently. Nice. Yet another in my series of trying to fill in gaps of movies that I obviously should have seen a long time ago. Uh, it was so funny. Eddie Murphy is always just so hilarious, um, especially in like his peak period, like this film. Right. Um, and part of, part of the reason I wanted to watch it was because they're they're coming out with a sequel on Amazon Prime soon. Is that soon? I can't remember when it's coming out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's coming out in like the next month. Oh, okay. Nice. I should also rewatch that. I should Getting hyped for I've, that. I have seen Coming to America before, but I should watch it again before the new one because it's been mm-hmm. a while. Yeah. It's a good film. It's very good. It's very funny. So... Um, with that, why don't we delve into this week's film for exploration? VHS. Film for explore, exploration. <laughs> Imagine, if you will, a film that we will explore <laughs> this evening in the Twilight Zone. VHS is a anthology horror film from 2012. Um... The, the basic premise of it is you're watching like a bunch of different VHS tapes. Yes. And um, all, the, all the different segments are directed by uh, different directors, written by different people. Um, it's just sort of all one of, those, one of those great anthology films where a bunch of different filmmakers all come together and contribute a little piece to make something greater. It's, it's, it's a hard thing to pull off well, but I think... VHS is one of the better examples of this kind of anthology film. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think mostly it, it succeeds. So, the, like, all the filmmakers involved in this could be described basically as belonging to the mumblecore movement uh, and also horror directors as well, obviously. Right. Um, sometimes known as mumblegore. Mumblegore. The... Gore. the uh, the intersection of horror and mumblecore. Um, there's definitely a lot of recognizable names here. Uh, Joe Swanberg, for yes. example. Yes. Ty West, Adam Wingard. Yes. All have done um, pretty well-recognizable horror films and films in other genres um, right, for some right. of them. Yes. So um, we've got a lot of greats here collaborating. Yes. Um, sometimes you run into a too many cooks situation, but in this case, I think it ends up working out for the best. Yeah, I think I think it does work out. Um, it's also interesting that this movie is produced by Bloody Disgusting, which is a fun, fun thing. It is actually yeah. produced by the by the horror just media outlet, the the news outlet. Um, so good for them. 
that's kind of that's I I you would have to imagine that's like a crowning achievement for Bloody Disgusting and Brad Miska. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to see Brad Miska listed as a film yeah, producer yeah. when right. like mostly I know him as guy who tweets about horror movies. Right, stuff. guy who tweets news that I need about horror movies. Yes, <laughs> guy who gives me lots of news. Um, but hey, like Bloody Disgusting, uh, love that they're. Uh, into producing films as well as talking about them. I mean, if any, if anybody can pull together a, a horror anthology that combines different genres of horror, it would be bloody disgusting. Just like as a whole, kind of makes sense. They know yeah. every horror movie ever. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, the the frame story of this, as like all, all anthology films, kind of have a frame story of sorts. Um, this one, I I like quite a bit. The frame story for uh, VHS. Um, there's this this group of I don't even know what you can call them filmmakers, maybe. <laughs> no, I not not good filmmakers. Yeah, they're, they're this group of criminals. Maybe they are criminals, and they are making snuff films, if anything. Yeah, they're these guys who who are like running around pulling women's clothes off in public and filming it, and like yeah. selling these films. And then also, like, for some reason, filming themselves, like, destroying abandoned houses or something. It's a very weird thing. It's a very weird choice. These are the, the kind of people, by the way, who are just the enemies of urban explorers. <laughs> you know, they're they're destroying, like, they're, I, the, the, the part where they're, like, messing up that house or, like, trailer or whatever it is. Uh, like was very interesting to me because first I was like, okay, so when they were filming this, did they actually like find a property where someone was like, okay, you can fuck this building up, like whatever? <laughs> they're like really smashing stuff and like causing a lot of damage. And, like somebody must have been okay with them doing this. <laughs> um, but also like these are totally like. Urban explorers love like a pristine abandoned building that like nobody fucks with, and these are the guys who show up and ruin everybody's day. Right. Um, so that makes them extra despicable in my book. Yeah. But they're, they're huge bummers. They're not. We don't like them. So these guys are like they're going around doing this stuff. We see, like the the film starts with just like some footage of their exploits, which we see them filming presumably on VHS. And then they find out that they can make more money by, like, stealing a, a tape from this guy's house. Like, th this guy tells them, like, oh, you can make more money in one night than you do in a whole year right. just by, like, taking these kind of jobs. So they have to, like, break into this guy's house and steal a VHS tape. Right. It's right. unclear what they're actually looking for or who hired them. Like, that never really gets elaborated on. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really have no idea who they're like doing this job for. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know what, what that's about. These, the, the frame story is interesting to me. I'm glad you really like it. It's always, it's felt, it's felt a little like, okay, it's just cursory, you know, like it's, right. it just is here because there needs to be something to get us to the point where we're watching these VHS tapes. Yes. Um, so like th that's how I've usually like the past few times I watched this movie that's how I felt about it I was just like 
all right, like this just gets us to watching these VHS tapes, which are the real draw here. Um, but this time I, I really like the frame story. I feel like it ties it in to like exploitation film, to snuff film, which is the sort of stuff that this film is really trying to explore as a genre um, from an outside perspective. Right. Sort of. Right. Um, and like, it, it's, it's interesting. Like we're, we're basically seeing like these, these renegade filmmakers of sorts. Um, they're like the main characters of this film. Um, it kind of reminds me <laughs> of like a Serbian film, oh. <laughs> oddly <laughs> enough, um, where it's like, you know, the guy gets started in pornography and then moves on to doing like snuff films and stuff. We're seeing like a similar ex, escalation here these guys are doing like these horrible like sexual assault films and then they move on to house robbery and like they're like entering a darker deeper world um it's similar it's similar to that i think it is it is a little bit similar to that um a serbian film is obviously a bit more extreme on the whole (laughs) yes Um, definitely (laughs) but yes i would agree that there are are some parallels there. I mean, there are a lot of movies that deal with that, just like that concept and like getting dragged into like this world of like weird snuff, dark film. Um, yeah. Dark web. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sort of has. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Um, even like sinister sort of like, is like a modern, some a more modern take on it um, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Although sinister also pulls in some different supernatural elements. Uh, than some of these other films but yeah so yeah i just i think i think overall it's just like it really helps establish the theme of this movie which is basically that like there's all sorts of fucked up stuff you could find on a random vhs tape right um which is it's a very intriguing premise it's like it's a promise that like there's this mystery out there and unlike You know, the internet where, you know, if a video shows up on the internet, it never really goes away. You could always access it somehow, like through an archive. And it's usually easy to source it too. Yeah. You know, like if you know who uploaded it, you know, you can, you can always find that sort of information. Um, But, but a VHS tape, like you have to have that in your hand to be able to watch it. But if you have that, then like who knows what could be on it. It could right. be something really fucked up. Yeah. You never know what's on like a weird VHS tape with just a Sharpie label on it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. you never know so I find. think, I think that's, that's what really makes the, the, um, frame story work for me here is that it just, it un- underlines the theme in a, like sort of a subtle, um, understated way. And it really sets up an interesting exploration of a whole format here. You know, like there, there's a reason this is about VHS. It's not just because of the aesthetics. It's not just because, oh, like I like watching tracking lines go across the screen. I like hearing the whir of the little uh, motors that move the tape along. (laughs) It's that like that VHS is like the last real physical medium. And there's still some sort of magic there, I think. Although I mean DVDs are physical and so are Blu-rays, but um, they're they're digital though. They're digital they rather digital. than analog. I, I should have said analog media. Yes, yes but 
you're right. You're right there. There, I absolutely agree. There is a difference there. And so I, I think that is important. And I do think that it, it is important that it's a VHS. Um, it would not have worked if this were about another format, you know, we, we wouldn't have a DVD movie. We wouldn't have a Blu-ray movie. We wouldn't have a, uh, what? MP4. Um, <laughs> MP4 maybe. Yeah. I mean, you, you could make, uh, you probably could make an interesting movie about like random movie. files on uh, like torrent bit torrent or something like that. Uh, honestly, they should make a LimeWire movie and yes. run with it because God only knows what you found on LimeWire when you're downloading <laughs> things. Um, exactly. You, know, you never knew when you were going to download something and you were like, am I listening to something that I should not be hearing today? Um, <laughs> I thought I was going to listen to Eminem's new song, and now I'm watching hardcore pornography. Okay. (laughs) Oh, lots of that. Um, So. um, Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's basically what Unfriended Dark Web is like. (laughs) That is sort of what Unfriended Dark Web is. Unfriended Dark Web is... Unfriended Dark Web... There really is a parallel between Unfriended Dark... Because it is just like snuff films, but like in this like deep internet world of it. It's sort of like the same thing. Although you don't see the videos as much in the same way. Although you see like some elements of it. I would have liked to see Unfriended Dark Web, the spinoff, where you just watch the snuff films or something. <laughs> yeah. Unfriended Dark Web is basically what Hostel 3 wanted to be. Oh my god. Hostel 3. <laughs> um, what yeah, a disaster. Um, yes. Disaster is the right word for that one. Um, I do agree with that take though. That's, that's pretty accurate. (sighs) So yeah, so that's, that's the basic setup here. VHS. Um, so they, they, they break into this guy's house and they find him like dead in a chair in front of this big rig, like with multiple TV screens and VCRs and stuff. And just a whole mess of VHS tapes everywhere. Um, by the way, it's like never a good sign. (laughs) <laughs> like if somebody just yeah. like has all of those VHS tapes lying around like that and they're like all either unmarked or like labeled in Sharpie and they have multiple TVs, like you should like not deal with it. Like that's it's like really, the Poughkeepsie it probably tape. means you're Yeah, exactly. It probably means you're gonna watch people get like brutalized in ways that you might not want to see. And so you should just walk out and call the cops. Now these people are criminals, so they don't do that. But like Yes. Exactly. And they're like, they're, they're evil criminals. I want to be clear. They're not like criminals in that they like have shoplifted in their time. They're like bad people. These are bad people. So they'll do anything for money. Yeah. These are, these are not, not great people. They're not really the protagonists of this film. Um, the film doesn't really have a lot of, no, this is a, this is one of those horror movies that like really works to make you dislike most of their, like a lot of characters are not redeemable in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are some, there are some exceptions. Um, and I would argue that the exceptions kind of come all in like the latter half of the movie. Um, yeah. The first few, the first few segments are all just like, these people are annoying and or suck. Like, <laughs> like you know. there's some terrible people in yeah. these, uh, these first few segments yeah. and in the whole film in general, yes. it, it is an interesting film where like overall there are very few people who you root for. Um, that's kind yeah. of a theme as well. It's just like this, like this utter darkness of everything that's going on. People doing bad shit and then getting themselves into trouble as yeah, a result. It, it's kind of got that like, I mean, it's sort of like a 
2000s era horror trope where like all of the characters are just like, you know, like you think about like the Saw movies where it's like, nobody's good. Like these people are terrible. And so, but then like you think about like a lot of like sequels to slashers that came out in the 2000s too. It'll be like, oh, your main characters are the one requisite nice girl, but then her boyfriend who's cheating on her with like every other character in the movie. And you know, the, the people who like are sexual assault, like terrorizers, like, like that's the characters that you get in horror movies in the two thousands for a long time. I just watched all of the wrong turn movies. So I'm intimately familiar with the fact that all of the characters in horror movies sucked in the two thousands. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just an interesting choice when a movie is like, we don't want you to root for the, 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 characters necessarily um like i don't necessarily root for them even when they are likable this is gonna sound kind of mean but thinking about like the strange the the sick thing that happened to emily when she was younger like i don't have anything against emily in that that sequence but like it was sort of like do more like the whole time i just <laughs> want to be like like this is bad. like what are you doing like, <laughs> um you know, so you'd probably realize what's going on in this situation. I mean, maybe you couldn't realize what's going on because I got to tell you, I don't think anybody would just put that together. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> if that were happening to me, I would not just be like, "Yes, the aliens are implanting baby eggs in my arm." Jesus um, Christ! That that <laughs> that segment is like such a uh, a terrible gift for those of us with extreme paranoia. Uh, let me yeah. tell you. Um, it's also VHS. It's not VHS's last dalliance with aliens. They they have an alien segments in a few of them. If we ever cover the later ones, things get weird with their aliens. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's that's good, right? Like alien. I feel like aliens and like cryptids and shit like that should go naturally with this sort of film. It's like I, stuff I that I have this most like, people wouldn't see. That alien horror needs to make a resurgence. Like I want more alien horror all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And there's just like there's been a Darth of is Darth the word I'm looking for Darth maybe um yeah well yes yes it's yeah <laughs> we're thinking of the same word but um yes of I I just feel like there's been such a such a dearth as you say of of alien <laughs> horror and that does mean absence right I'm not going crazy. right yes um, okay yes good, a yeah. lack a lack of yes. um, I feel like the last good one we got was the fourth kind um. The fourth kind. I watched that long ago. Um, I, in fact, I've watched that since coronavirus started. Um, coronavirus. Ooh. Um, um, yeah. God, remember when that started? That was. <laughs> who can remember like, so long? Those ago. were the early days. So. Um, yeah. The oh, this is going to be an interesting couple weeks. Days. Remember when it was going to be a couple weeks? Uh huh. Anyway, let's not go there because that will depress the <laughs> shit out of all of us. Um, yeah. But yes, that one is alien horror and I like that. But like the characters in that one are like, one is like, obviously you can't root for them. And the other one is like, well, they're just not doing what they should be doing here. Like some of these situations are like, oh, what's wrong with you? Also, I kind of felt like we should just wait until we're covering this segment by segment. Um, so you really on. want to get into Emily. You know, I have thoughts on Emily. Um, it's a great segment. So yeah, they're, they're, they're in this house with this dead guy in the living room with this like crazy VHS rig. 
they're like in between these segments we see them like fumbling around looking for whatever the tape that they're supposed to get is which is strange like they don't really even know what they're looking for the person was just like you'll know it when you see it or something like that so they're like that's why they watch all these tapes to like try to find out like what's the thing we'll see maybe in the end the tape that they were supposed to get was the tape that they made um (laughs) who knows Um, because they you know they're filming this whole thing alongside it this is a a pure found footage film every bit of it is supposedly filmed by the characters um so they're maybe making a tape that becomes part of this collection i don't know right i mean Um, it seems you know maybe seems possible (laughs) and at some point they they find they find out that there's like that like i guess the dead guy is like alive in some sense say maybe not al- maybe alive is the wrong word but um, he's some sort of like vampire or zombie not, or something yeah he's not dormant let's say that yeah. he's he's not down for the count he's uh yeah. it's not going to go well for them yeah yeah so they get like kind of killed off uh gradually over the course of the film um no no regrets there i do think it's funny that um that Adam Wingard wrote and directed the frame segment and also like acted as one of the <laughs> film punks. Yes. <laughs> I don't, he put I himself like he does in here. That, right? He like Yeah. He, yeah. Um Yeah. Um Yeah, that's the thing about like these these mumblecore horror people is that they all tend to act as well and they show up in each other's stuff. Yeah. So this this is like the great coming together of all these sort of people. Right. So of course we get a lot of them acting in each other's segments, and sometimes like Adam Wingard acting in their own segments as well. Right. There's a lot of filmmakers acting in this film, which is always a fun thing for yeah, me. Yeah, I just think it's interesting that like it, it feel it, it kind of feels like it had to have been a collaborative effort in a lot of ways, and I I think that it, I very much appreciate that. Um, I appreciate the concept of like these like directors, filmmakers, actors working together on some of these in certain ways, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and you know, that's just like a nice, as just like somebody who likes like film and film culture, that's just like a nice thing. It's just cool. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and like the whole sort of mumblecore type aesthetic really works well with something like this, where you're trying to make something that feels like a real tape like a, an yeah. actual film that someone might have made with their own home camera as opposed to right, a Right, like, like the whole point of like the mumblecore aesthetic is that it's meant to more ac- accurately depict like the way sort of we interact, right? Because in a lot yeah. of movies, you know, if, you, if it really comes down to it, people just don't talk and behave the way that they do in movies. And that's... That's fine most of the time. We can accept that because it's it's fiction. Um, but the the point of mumblecore is that it's it's trying to more accurately imitate the way that we talk with our. I mean, you, you're hearing it right now. Like I I'll, I'll pause. I'll stumble over words. I'll say um. I'll say like that's the sort of thing you get in mumblecore, but not in like a lot of you know, nice polished scripts that um. Yeah. That that sort of you know scrub away those sorts of edges of our conversation. Um, and so I think that this movie does show that because a lot of the conversations in this movie are just sort of like, 
almost like chaotic conversations, like people talking over one another, just like having, you know, weird conversations. And you hear a lot of that. Um, it's most apparent, I think, to my mind, in the second honeymoon segment directed by Ty West, where it's just like this couple on a trip and sometimes you're just listening to them talk about nonsense. Like, like, yeah. Although I think they have a conversation about like, was that the one where they have a conversation where they talk about what did they, there was something that they said that distinctly I was like, did they predict the coronavirus? Um, and I'm trying to remember what it was, but I can't, I can't remember it right now. Oh um, God. But anyway, that, that there was like definitely was some sort of moment in here where they were talking about like, diseases or like yeah. pandemic or something like yes. that. Because I'm very attuned to that sort of right, thing these right. days. And I'm pretty Every sure t- that was in that one. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> um, uh, I wanted to scream. Um, I probably did scream now that I think about <laughs> it. Uh, knowing just how I watch oh movies. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so I think that it uh, does come through that these are all sort of those types of filmmakers because a lot of the conversations actually do feel kind of natural and free flowing. I say that with a slight grain of salt just because like it's just like hard for me to imagine hanging out with straight bros at a bar where you do Jaeger bombs in, like an amateur <laughs> night and like is that really how they talk do they really talk like this and act like this I believe that they do like as somebody who goes to a lot of like sports bars like I know that people act like shit but like this felt very real to life from yeah. like a lot of interactions I had in college yeah like right it does it's just like, are these, co- like, I don't even know how old these guys are supposed to be. Um, but, like, they, it's just like a despicable group of people in that first segment in Amateur Night. And it's like, do you yeah. really just, like, talk like this and act like this and think it's normal? <laughs> like, so yeah, yeah. So we're no- we're noticeably moving into Amateur Night, which is the first segment here. So, yes, yeah, yeah, let's, let's talk about that. Um, it's also so- up front, I want to say, one of the most memorable, probably be- best sequences in the, in the, in the film. It's a very oh, it's good great. One. It's, a it's very definitely good one. <laughs> it's definitely the one that people remember when they think about VHS. Yes. Uh, it has like the most memorable imagery and one of the more memorable characters. And it, it, it and spawned it, a separate film. <laughs> it spawned yes. a standalone film. So <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, uh, so Amateur Night is like the the conceit behind this film is that like these these bros have like rented a, a hotel room they're they're in some sort of party city it kind of seems like new orleans or something but it's not yeah. explicitly stated um but they're like they they have this um this like glasses camera rig that one of them is wearing where like that they they very they somewhat ham-handedly um establish in the opening couple minutes um so like one of them's basically wearing glasses that film everything. Um, yes, and they're, much they're that one episode of black mirror. And I haven't even watched a lot of black mirror, but I've seen that one with the cam- <laughs> with the camp, with the glasses. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and the basic idea is that they, they're trying to film, uh, like sex. They want to like go hook up with some girls at a bar and like film it secretly. Yeah. It's like so, the most, it's like the weirdest thing. I gotta say, it's weird. I believe that men are like this. No offense to the two of us on this pod, because we're not. Like <laughs> no them. offense to any men that uh, are out there. <laughs> but uh, no offense to men, because I'm low key afraid of a lot of you. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, like it. I believe that they would do this, but it is like, really, you want to get video camera glasses so you can surreptitiously film sex? 
why not just find people who are willing to be filmed having sex? I gotta tell you, there's a market for that. There's a lot of people who <laughs> there's a significant... enjoy being on camera for that. Like, and not, there's not... a whole website devoted to this. Yes, I mean, come on, there, multiple, in fact, and like. <laughs> It's like, you don't need to go do this secretly. Like, and then, you know, obviously they're just gross men, right? Um, yes. Uh, you know, but it's like. It, pro- the lack of consent is probably part of the whole deal, you know? Yes, they probably like that, which just makes them even grosser. So, but anyway. Yeah, so, so right right thing. off the bat, we're getting, we're getting into why, like, no, very few of the people in this movie are likable and. Why, like, I feel like that is part of why the movie works, you know? Yeah. It's just, like, it's all, like, just horrible stuff that's been filmed. <laughs> and um, <laughs> people who have horrible reasons for filming things. And here we are. Like, this right. is this is a perfect example of that. So we see, you know, a bunch of them going out to bars and, like, drinking and stuff. And, you know, just basic, basic kind of night out on the town kind of thing, but they're not really finding what they're looking for. They're like, they're out there looking for like these hot women who want to come back and have sex with them in this hotel room where like, they're all sharing the same room. So yeah, you know, it's supposed to be like a group affair. A weird, yeah, not a great setup overall. I mean, Um, it's fine if everybody's consenting to it. That's the thing, but that's not what's happening here. And it's very upsetting. So at one point, the guy uh, who's filming runs into this kind of strange looking girl who's got like, she's got kind of wide eyes and like a a mark down the middle of her forehead. Yes. Um, (laughs) And she's just like, I like you. She says that to him like a couple times during the night. And that's like the only thing she ever says. It's like literally never normal. It's never normal. Uh, she's it's very weird upsetting. the way she says it. <laughs> she's very creepy. Like yeah. she is, she's so good. I just um, like, I like. Why would you take her home? I would not take her. <laughs> like, I'm very alarmed by her, and I would not take this girl home. Like, these are desperate guys. Like that is very much established by the end of like their whole bar hopping adventure. Well, maybe it's because they're annoying as shit. But, like, none yeah. of them are particularly unattractive. So if they would just be, like, less annoying, they probably wouldn't need to be desperate. So That's that's the lesson for a lot of guys out there, really. And, you true. know, that's it takes... Point. Sometimes it takes a long time to learn that lesson. Sometimes if you just it just be, takes literal dismemberment to understand <laughs> If you just be less annoying, things might go fine. But yeah. these guys can't. They, 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 they get thrown out of this bar... Um, they're like classic party bros. Like, yeah, they're just like they're they're being loud and aggressive and like pissing everybody off. So they get thrown out of this bar. They end up driving back with the weird girl and this other girl that they ran into at the bar. It um, should be noted that none of them should be driving. They are driving, oh, yeah. but they should not be driving. They also do cocaine in the car. Um, (laughs) they're actively just like doing cocaine in the back which given Uh, that they're like obviously like blackout stumble down drunk already they probably don't need to be doing cocaine they're just like that's not a needed thing for them um they get the the weird girl they they try to convince her to do cocaine um 
just everything is so bad. They just it's make a not lot a good decisions. idea to give cocaine to that girl. Like, it's not a good idea so... for her to be in your car. You should have left <laughs> when the moment she hissed at a guy for trying to help her up when she was sitting in the mulch by a tree. <laughs> they should have been like NVM, peace out. Like, do you need an Uber? We'll call you an Uber. We're done here. Um, I don't know if Uber existed at the time. There was no Uber at this time. Um, this is this is a 2012 movie, and presumably this segment was filmed before then. Yeah, l- most of these segments are, in fact. Most of these segments are like supposed to be slightly dated. Um, yes. But, yes, so Uber did not exist. But in any event, you could have, like, not taken her <laughs> home. Like, I don't you know. You could have like, just not. Yeah, th- she just, like, clearly... I would not even, like... Uh, just like the concept of consent from this girl who like can't say anything more than the words I like you and hisses at you. Like there's questions about that. Like, like I just wouldn't want to do this, you know? Um, these, these are not like PhDs here. These guys are not like thinking very clearly. So yeah, they, they end up back at the hotel room with these two girls um, one of the guys is trying to have sex with the other girl, and then she just like she passes out. Which like how you did cocaine? <laughs> Everyone did cocaine. How are you passing did. out? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? And they're like, <laughs> he's like, there's like this this horrible moment where he's like about to go go ahead with it anyway. He's gonna do it anyway. Yeah. And like the bro, the other bros, like, nah, dude, nah, she's gone. It's like, well, at least these guys have that amount of of uh, like respect for women. Oh God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, where they're like, all right, we draw the line there. But then he like tries to get with the the creepy girl. Yes. And. She- there's all these scenes of like the guy, the guy with the camera going in and out of the bathroom, like here, which is obviously you know allows things to develop in the other room while you're not seeing it. Yes. But basically, like she she bites him and like like bites the other guy. Well, yeah. So what stuff. what happens is that like she does she basically is like making out with the one guy, the most aggressive of the bros. There's one guy who's yeah. like. Just very aggressive. He's the biggest of the group. He's like... He's know. the alpha male. Yeah, and, and he like clearly owns that status. And she does appear to be into that. I can't really make sense of it. Um, She's sort of like not yeah. mad about making out with him. But then when the other... Like there are three bros. When the third one, not the video camera one and not the alpha guy, gets involved, she does not like that. The weird um, laughing on the couch guy. <laughs> I mean, that's like the most accurate thing about this movie. It's just like, you know, when you're like drunk off your ass and high, like you might just laugh. Like sometimes you just like, that's all you can do at any situation. Um, I mean, this <laughs> is not just laughing. This on is the not couch. a, this is not a laughing situation. This is like a call the police situation, all of it. But like, you know, I understand that. I understand the concept of being the one who can do nothing but laugh when you're drunk. Um, sometimes when I'm drunk, all I do is laugh. So, get that although i'm never around people committing like sexual assault when i'm drunk so um thankfully yeah uh, that's not a you know uh, i would not be laughing at that situation i just want to clarify it's not my that scene. i, I um, don't think him laughing at it was a good thing or relatable at all it's just being the laughing drunk i get um but anyway once he gets involved she gets very upset and that's when she bites him and he's like oh she bit me hard blah, blah, blah. and i'm like you don't think this is like a sign like <laughs> 
Like, we should just stop here. We should, like, everything should end the moment she bit you. So there's, like, she is, like, some sort of monstrous demon creature or something. She's, like, biting <laughs> everyone, ripping them pieces. She rips off one guy's dick and balls. Yes. And, like, throws them on the floor. And <laughs> I didn't remember this part at all, but I was just like, oh, wow. <laughs> it went there, huh? And the guy filming manages to escape the room um, and is, like, running down into the stairwell. And he, he ends up, like, falling down the last flight of stairs. Break, for like gives himself a bad break. A bad Yeah, bad. he breaks his arm, like, very badly. And apparently, like, probably breaks his legs, too? Because he, like, he's not getting up really quickly he does eventually though he does eventually stand which makes me think his legs can't be fully broken. this is not the only time in this movie that somebody just randomly falls down the stairs (laughs) for no real reason and then breaks something and is incapacitated well he's i I mean he slips and that's believable he's kind of covered in blood at this point because but it's not like he got like attacked by the girl or something is he he just like he fell on his own yes he does just fall on his own so he's like lying at the bottom of the stairwell like all like broken he has (laughs) like a compound fracture in his wrist or something like his bone is sticking out like it's very upsetting (laughs) and she comes down and she's got like this crazy thing in her forehead where it's like separated like there's like a mouth there or something yeah it's like split down her like where like we said there was a line down her forehead now it's like split open down the middle of her head and so her head is just really wide now I don't even know, like, what creature this is supposed to emulate. I mean, I think it's, it's supposed to be a succubus, but I don't know, uh-huh. like, it, I don't know what succubus it's supposed to look like. Like, right. <laughs> it's just very weird and unnerving. It's yes. a good effect. It yes. looks really good. Yeah. Um, and then she's like, she's like, I like you. And she's like trying to, trying to have sex with him. And he's just, like, not having it because he just watched her, like, rip apart his friends. And now right. he's lying broken and bloody. At it's the implied end. that she's trying to blow him at this point. And, yes. of course, he's not getting hard. Like, <laughs> he just watched his friends get murdered. You think he's going to be turned on? Like, what? <laughs> but she starts well, crying. She, yeah, she's like, you don't like me. Yes, and um, she's like crying in the stairwell. She sounds like but that. She, um, have you ever played the game Left for Dead? Um, you know that. I have played some like the like the uh, the witch. The or, witch who's like crying, and if you enter, and, and then if you you know she's crying, and if you make her stop crying, you know you're in for hell. Yeah, um, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's just like over in the corner crying, but it's like a yeah. menacing crying. It's like you know as soon as this crying stops, yes, bad shit is gonna happen. Yes, and he escaped. This is my favorite part of this whole segment. When he yeah. he escapes from the stairwell, he's running along the motel, like banging on the windows, trying to get somebody to let him in. Um, <laughs> and then he's trying to get in the car, and all of a sudden, like, gets lifted up into the air. <laughs> he's like soaring, and it's like it's unclear at first why any of this is happening, and then you can see her. And she had, she's like picked him up, and she has like wings. Yeah, she's like flying him up into the sky. <laughs> 
And then, uh, presumably, at some point, the glasses fall off because you see, you know, the camera sort of spins to the ground and lands somewhere. Right. And you just see people, like, look over at it. Right. Uh, but it's clearly just the glasses, so who the fuck knows what happened to him? <laughs> He's now, like, a sex slave to this thing somewhere. He um, might be, yeah. You know, which is really too bad for <laughs> For him, I guess. Um, not not a good place to be, really. Um, at least at least she likes him, so it probably means he didn't like die. Um, but. Probably not. Although he did piss her off, apparently. So who knows? But right. yeah, you never know. Right? So, so we don't really care though, because as previously stated, all the dudes in this one are terrible. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fuck them. Yes. Um but yeah, um th- I love this this part of it. It's just it feels so real. It's really fun. It's crazy the way things escalate. Um right. and it's got some pretty good effects. Yeah. I think it's it's pretty wild that like I th- like the whole thing in general feels very indie, low budget kind of, but when the effects like when when it it's time for like a big effects heavy scene, it actually works pretty well. Right. I think overall the effects in this movie work surprisingly well, even ten years later. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I do think it it works quite nicely. I think. Um, I mean, she just the, the 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 creature whatever it is looks great. It's very effective. Um, so that I mean that's the main takeaway from this segment is just how like creepy and good that looks and there's a lot of blood too which looks pretty good so (laughs) you can cover up a lot of course with like found footage style shooting but right that's true yeah there's a lot like you know jerky cam and uh some uh fuzzy frames and stuff that they can uh hide stuff with but it ends up working out pretty well yeah it's nice it's very good this is a great segment it's a great fun sequence in horror so, um, before we get any further in this, why don't we talk about what we're drinking this evening? Yeah, what are you uh, drinking? So, I I struggled to find something thematic for this movie, but I, end, <laughs> I ended up finding a drink on the internet called a VCR, which I thought would be absolutely perfect. Yes. Um, but it is an incredibly boring drink <laughs> overall. It's just a vanilla Coke and rum. Um, so I am drinking that, but with a slight twist, I am drinking it with cherry vanilla Coke. <laughs> so I think the, uh, cherry for blood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The cherry is the added little, little bit of blood there. So it's, it's got the, the VCR and it's got the blood. So, uh, yes, cherry vanilla Coke and rum. Very simple drink. Very thematic. Nice. Um, I've had, I've had two different drinks on the pod so far. Whoops. Um, uh, well, I, I had a Bud Light that I sort of just was drinking when we started, just by chance. <laughs> um, and I do think the Bud Light is actually thematic, because these characters are the characters who would drink Bud Light. Um, but, <laughs> they're uh, drinking Bud Light, they're listening to Butt Rock, you yeah, know. Yeah, these you know are these, these are those kinds of, of characters, um, which is what a lot of horror characters are. Um, right, horror really hates characters who like Butt Rock. Um, <laughs> But um, I am also drinking, it's sort of cheating, I'm basically making a cocktail I made yesterday for my Wrong Turn themed marathon. Um, It's called a Sex in the Woods. Um, But (laughs) I think it's applicable 
One, because there's a lot of sexual overtones and undertones to this movie throughout. Um, there's a lot of like, you know, the, this last, the first segment in the movie is about like these horny dudes um, in a succubus potentially. And yeah. There's the dudes in the in the frame narrative who like film a lot of sexual harassment um, videos, and there's also explicitly the sequence where the teens are in the woods and they're all horny, and the one guy keeps wanting to have sex with the blonde girl and. All of that. It's kind of a, like a classic 80s kind of horror movie, but in yeah. a different way. Yeah. So Sex in the Woods is sort of like a, it is actually fair. And really Sex in the Woods is just a sex on the beach, but with moonshine. Um, so, because the moonshine makes it woodsy, right? Because moonshine is woodsy. <laughs> um, although I have, I have also touched it up a bit with, by muddling the moonshine with raspberries. Um, <laughs> so of course. It does give it a brighter pink color and like a redder tint i guess which makes it a little bloodier also just makes it taste better um just because i like raspberry but it's really just because i have a ton of berries left over from yesterday because i bought so many berries for various drinks so it sounds good i mean it's very good it's very you very you you're definitely outpacing me on the cocktail game here well, um i i was <laughs> I was prepared. I've basically been on a bender for 36 hours, it seems. Um, based because of yesterday. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! <laughs> um. All right, for that. All right, so um, the the next segment in this movie, the next tape they find, um, is called Second Honeymoon. We sort of uh, referenced this one already. Um, yes. It's just kind of like it, it's mostly framed as like a travelogue type film, like a, a couple on a vacation filming stuff that they're doing. Right. Um, but you get like some ominous overtones through it. There's there's a scene where they uh, they consult like a a prospector fortune teller machine. Okay. Okay. Really I have to interject here. They do do this, and I sent a video earlier when I was watching this movie to some friends on Snapchat, and a a friend of the pod said that they had this exact thing at her old former the bar she would regularly go to, like pre COVID. Oh my god, and really? Yes, they had that exact thing. Wait, like <laughs> an actual like minor themed yes, one, not yes. like oh my god, yes, because I've seen like the ones with like a fortune teller, but right. this the, one the, was the great Zoltan. That's like the common one. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, Zoltan. Was... Yeah. Um, but, but no, th- this one, this one, I was this losing one. my fucking mind when she, she replied to my Snapchat. I was like, That's Oh hilarious. my God. Um, so I'm really glad I decided to send that Snapchat because otherwise I wouldn't yeah. have had that story to tell, but this thing exists in real life. So we just need that to be clear. There is a real minor 40. Zoinks. <laughs> It's the minor 49er. We have had a, a revisiting of the minor 49er here. Um, but yeah, um, that's wild that this actually exists. Yes. I thought that they like dressed one up yeah. for this purpose, but okay. That's, in, that's wow. in Maryland. It exists in Maryland at a bar. This is a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like the, the prospector gives... Like a super ominous fortune, which like if I heard this from a like a fortune telling machine, I'd be like, "What the fuck is going on?" It's <laughs> right? it's all like it's like you'll be reunited with a loved one, but also it's like <laughs> you're very trusting and easily taken advantage of. 
and like it has like some sort of ominous like danger is in the future or something prediction right. it's just it's all in all not a great thing right and i don't <laughs> these things don't do they usually give you that in depth and spooky fortunes like i feel like they're like basic fortunes normally right <laughs> i don't um. think so <laughs> Um, this one seems very on the nose, but yeah. Which is obviously the point, right? Like, you know, but. And then, um, there's, there's portions of the tape that make it clear that somebody is like gaining access to their hotel rooms at night and filming them in their sleep. Which is very upsetting. And stuff. Um, and there is, there is an upsetting ending to this one. (laughs) Um, yeah. let's just say that, um, it's an interesting twist, but <laughs> are you trying not to spoil it? Is that what's happening? Yeah. I don't okay. think, I don't think I want to spoil this one. Uh, there's yeah. an interesting twist at the end. Um, but it's, it's kind of fucked up. Um, so in, in, in lieu of spoiling the ending, cause let's not spoil the ending. Although I really want to spoil the ending. Um, it's a good ending i want to discuss do we think joe swanberg's character is like likable like i was trying i was wrestling with this question while i was watching it he's kind of like pushy of like the woman he's with uh who i guess is his wife i'm not actually sure is it a wife is it a girlfriend is it a fiance i feel like i feel like they're not married but maybe they're engaged um because it's called i don't think it's ever it's called second honeymoon Right, yeah, so it sort of implies that they're married, but they don't, like, they don't act married, you know? Right, I think about that scene where, like, like... um, you know, we we talked about how somebody's gaining access to their hotel room. Um, They take his money, and he thinks that she has taken it. Um, and, And she's like, I have my own money, you know? And it's like, well, wouldn't you not have to have this conversation if you were married? Like, you should know one another's finances. If you're According married, to right? Wikipedia, this is their their honeymoon trip that they're taking. Oh, okay. So they're, like, just married. Mm. Which, like, <laughs> they they certainly do not seem, like, just married. Because they are, like, they are not getting along very well no, throughout all not, this. They, they possibly should not have gotten married. Um, they I mean, probably should not. I was going to say they absolutely should not have gotten married. But, like, you know, very early on, it's like, a, uh, maybe they shouldn't be together. But by the end, it's like, of course, they obviously yeah. should not be together. Um, yeah, it's just like throughout it, we're, we're definitely shown a lot of them, like, just kind of casually not really getting along very well. Yeah, just like it, arguments it, over various stupid it, stuff. I think, um, obviously... Without spoiling too much, you know, there, there's different reasons for each one not getting along with the other, um, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yeah. um, but, like, in particular, he is, like, he's pushy. He wants to, like, film her doing things on camera that she doesn't necessarily want to do, clearly. Yeah, which also, yeah. Which goes back to even the first segment, which, you know, um, and also is just, like, a trope in found footage horror. They're, the the, mm-hmm. the husband character always wants to, like, let's make a porno. Um, like, did you not have, the, I mean, the, the weirdest thing about those sequences, that's is the always, whole like premise of this movie. Like, let's make a porno now. Yes. Well, it's also like one of those things where it's like, was did this conversation never happen before you like got married? Like maybe I'm just like slightly deluded by the days of being like a queer man and on grinder, but it's like, 
I would know within a week of dating somebody if they were into being filmed having sex. Like, like what? Why are we? Why do you have this conversation after marriage? But anyway, um, it, like he spends a lot of time doing that, and then like when his when money goes missing, he like automatically thinks that she like took it and is lying to him about it. Like, I mean, I know you wouldn't think like, oh, somebody else took the money because like who else would have done it? But like. Right. Why would your new wife take money from you and lie? Why would you think that's a thing she does? Like <laughs> It's just a mysterious occurrence. Like you don't have anyone else to blame really because they don't know about but this mysterious do. nighttime interloper. But like by this point, we actually have had that sequence where somebody weird knocks on the door and they see this person like wandering the parking lot of the motel mm. and like and he feels weird about this person. It's like, you know, there's like a there's a problem with people doing too much heroin, which is also a weird thing where he assumes that heroin might be involved. Um, like, what are, yeah. you, what are you talking Feels about? a little judgy. If yeah. You know, uh, just assuming that this is some sort of drug related thing. Right. I guess like the opioid crisis. <laughs> but like, um, like, yeah. So, you know, you kind of do have another point of reference where like, you know, the, uh, if you thought a creepy figure was literally mo- like wandering the parking lot and was maybe a threat to you, why would your first thought not be maybe they actually did break in and take? I mean, like, why would it? Why would it be that my wife took money from me? That would just like it's obviously, and and like so like if that's a thing that you think about your wife so early on in your marriage that it's literally during your honeymoon. Like, you just, like, clearly are not a compatible couple because you don't trust your partner. Like, you have zero trust for them if you think they would steal your money and lie to you about it. Like, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's definitely something that gets shown multiple times in the movie. It's like there's not a lot of trust there. They're not, like, working together as you would expect a couple to, especially, like, newlyweds. You're, like, at the high point... Yeah, you think they'd be the high point of the, the relationship, like, but they're like it's really it's clearly not a good relationship. Yeah. So and that much you know becomes clear over the course of the movie. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, I I think it's a, it's an interesting piece. Um, this little segment, um, just overall, this one feels like the most personal. Of all of them, uh, yeah. like we actually get to know the characters and like see their relationships. A lot more of them are kind of like boo haunted house and like the like crazy stuff happening. But this one is like very character oriented, yes, um, and yeah. very much about the people you see interacting on the screen. This was the most like indie mumblecore horror style movie. Like it was just like like characters wandering around like just talking most of the time and like yeah there's some creepy stuff and so you could always tell that something bad was gonna happen um Mm -hmm. but like you know it wasn't like there was nobody chasing after people with a knife there weren't like ghosts there weren't demons there were there was none of that um uh, and it's creepy because like you know this is like one of the ones where it's like okay well like in theory this could happen to me (laughs) um so yeah yeah it's it's very realistic. This this requires no like supernatural forces or it's the only external. one that requires no supernatural forces. Um, the yeah. only segment in the whole film that is free of supernatural forces. 
It's nice. Yeah. The, we should mention this. This is the Ty West directed segment. Yes. Uh, he wrote yes. and directed this one. Also, uh, the actors in it. Uh, Joe Swanberg plays the the, the guy, and the girl is played by Sophia Tikal, who is also a, a film director. Recently, uh, she made Black Christmas 2019, which we reviewed on this podcast. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, this is this is like the most like mumblecore of the segments I think, and like the fact that both of the leads in this segment are directors as well. Right. And like, it's literally the quietest. Like this is like the one segment where you're not getting like people like there's no point where everybody's just like screaming and yelling, you know? Um, Yeah. And you can't say that about literally any of the other segments. All of the other segments get very loud at certain moments. This one is quiet. Um, it's sort of like a reprieve in certain ways, but it's definitely not a reprieve because it's also like chilling. Um, <laughs> There's no reprieves in this movie. Every single segment is like viscerally disturbing. I mean, it's but, horror. That's what you expect. <laughs> yeah, um, but but it is it is definitely a lot more uh, toned down than the other segments. Yeah, yeah. It's just a, it's a, a different vibe. It's a different aesthetic, and it. I don't even know if we get aesthetics like this in the le- the later VHS movies. I feel like most of them are, are more on the loud side. Um, this is like a, a weird oddity. Uh, but it's very good. Yeah. I really like it. It's great. Yeah. I, I'd be it's interested very Thai, to see. It's very Ty West. It's just a very yes. Ty I mean, um, Ty <laughs> so. West is fantastic. Uh, yeah. He's directed... Uh, well, he directed the... Um, the house cabin the fever the cabin yes. fever sequel which we don't like to talk yeah. about but um more notably he's directed yeah, house of the devil the innkeepers yeah. um and i would say house of the devil director. and innkeepers are both very mumblecore they are like extremely yeah <laughs> i want to so. make sure that we we define mumblecore well for those uh of our audience who might not know what this is it's uh it's a indie filmmaking movement from uh, the 2000s and early 2010s, which is kind of gone by the wayside these days. But the the basic um, tenets of the movement are that it's like very um, real to life. Is, is the the whole goal is to make films that feel extremely realistic and like the sort of thing that you would see in everyday life. So they do things like have improvised dialogue, have like naturalistic type speech. So, you know, you get a lot of mumbling, you get uh, repeating yourself, talking over each other, um, stuff like that. The way that people really talk, because, you know, most of the times in movies, you might get interesting dialogue but it doesn't necessarily feel real the whole point of mumblecore is to make it feel as real to life as possible even if that makes uh the dialogue a little awkward or strange um i mean awkwardness so th- is often part of the point of mumblecore movies like it's absolutely supposed, yeah you know it's often supposed to be kind of uncomfortable and weird and um because that's life like anybody who's ever had a conversation knows that um <laughs> Like a lot of conversations that you have are just weird and uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And Ty, Ty West has been an interesting figure just in that regard because his horror does play off of that, but he doesn't necessarily make like realist horror films. Like he makes horror films with supernatural elements most of the time. Um, yeah. So yeah, he likes to have like ghosts and demons and stuff almost 
yeah. all the time. Yeah, so it's just interesting that he does have that sort of like devotion to like making everything, all the other aspects of it feel like just like grounded in reality. And then it just, I mean, I think of House of the Devil where it, it, like a lot of it kind of feels like you're just watching like maybe it's like a slasher, but like a slow burn slasher. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden it's like, oh my God, <laughs> everything is demonic and everything is evil. Um, you yeah. know, it, he likes to have like, very little happen for like 90% of the movie. And then the last 10% is like insane chaos. Yeah. Um, but you know, and that that's good. And, and so that, you know, that's just what Momokori is. And it, Ty West has been an interesting part of that. So it's nice that he directed a segment in this, this anthology that is very much in line with the Mumblecore sort of aesthetic, um, but combines it with like found footage horror aesthetics. So it's nice. It's good. I like it. I, I really like Second Honeymoon. Yeah, that's a good one. So, the next segment in this film is uh, Tuesday the 17th. Yeah, really which wish it were called literally anything else. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> the, title, the title is making very clear what its influences are. Yes, uh, yeah, this, absolutely, yeah. This segment is basically like an 80s slasher kind of take. Um it's like a film of a bunch of friends on holiday somewhere in the woods. And there's this mysterious slasher that goes around killing people. Okay. Um, My favorite thing about the holiday in the woods, let's just jump right in, is that she's like, we would go here every year to this lake and they get to a lake and it's like the size of my apartment. And I'm like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic lake. It's like slight, like everything is slightly greenish. Like I'm like, okay, this is like brackish water. Like, what are you doing? Like, (laughs) was this the only lake they could find to film near? Like, Like you couldn't find a bigger lake. There's some lakes. There's some lakes you just don't want to swim in. And mm-hmm. this one is definitely one of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's weird. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's very similar to, like, Friday the 13th. Um, that you, your typical, like, teenagers getting killed somewhere in the woods kind of 80s slasher movie. Um, the killer is very interesting in this segment he's like you don't actually know what he looks like all you know is that every time he shows up on the film he manifests as like a arrangement of vhs glitches yes uh he's just like every time he shows up it's like the film starts getting fuzzy and weird and jumpy and you get all those tracking errors and stuff um and he's just completely blurred out by these strange little glitches. Um, hard to describe, basically, but it looks very interesting. He maybe um, is wearing a totally red fits ski the mask or something. Um, mm. I feel like he's wearing a red ski mask. Or he's just Red Hood. He could be Jason Todd Red Hood. <laughs> this um, is Red Hood. <laughs> but This is the origin story. <laughs> red Hood took a dark turn. Um Red Hood was never that evil. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting sequence. It's I think it's probably the weakest segment in the in the in the movie. Um, it's it okay, does it's fun, it feels but like it's predictable. Not. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing. There's not really anything new that this one's doing. Um, I do think most of the other segments are at least like riffing. If they're riffing on things, they're doing something new with them in a lot of ways. This one is real. The, the concept of the glitch is kind of interesting, but I don't think they do enough with it, you know? Um, yeah. So, 
it's just too it's too bad they don't do a little bit more with the the killer himself like i want to know more about why the killer is a glitch like what is it you know what what's going on um yeah you don't really get to find out like why this is happening and like you'd think this is this is vhs right here they're exploring the format clearly you have a villain here who's like part of his powers are glitching vhs tapes right his power you definitely is exploiting want to know more about that yeah yeah you would you would but, really think um, they would explore that a bit more but they don't and um i think that's a bummer um there it's an interesting it's still an it's still a fun segment in a lot of ways the characters are like over the top um, all of them are like very like archetypal slasher characters. Yeah. Like there's like the quote unquote slut character. Um, there's the nerd character. <laughs> there's the jock character. Um, uh, you know, you yeah. get those, and, and those way, are like your three it, big, the, the big ones. There, there's yeah. not, re- there's like the final girl, but not really. Cause she's a bad guy. She's bad. She's a bad person. <laughs> so yeah, she's, she's not great. Cause like she, uh, well, it's revealed later on. She basically got them up here because she knew that this guy was going to show up and she's trying to trap him. Right. Um, I just want to so... know, does this guy just like kill anybody who comes there? Like, is there like any, is there like a reason for it? Or does he just like... Yeah, what's what's his backstory? What's his lore? Like his reason for being, you right. know, and, and... We, we, we know a lot about Jason Voorhees and why he does what he does. We don't know a lot about this guy. Yeah, there, there's he just no, shows up. There's no backstory for this guy. Um, I don't even know if he's like human. Like you know, like what is he? I don't understand. It's completely unclear. And I mean, like, not to rag on this too much. Like sometimes that that's good. Like right, to, to keep a bit of mystery. Yeah. I don't like. I don't hate this segment. I think it's really fun. Uh, I think it's an interesting take on. You know, just 80s type slashers um, with this weird little twist that he's specifically fucking with the VHS format. Right. But it does, it is like, a, a, a compared to some of the other segments, it is a little weaker. Right. Yeah, it's just, it, I don't know. When I think it's of VHS, fine. I it's don't fine. think of this, I don't think of this segment very often when I think of VHS. Yeah. So, um, that's a shame because I actually slashers are like my primary genre of film. Like that's like the thing I love most is slashers. You'd think I would really like this sequence, um, but it's just, it doesn't do enough with it. You know? Yeah. That's true. At the same time, I feel like this kind of has to be there to like bring the whole thing together. You don't have VHS without slashers. So yes, it's good that we have a segment that does, that slasher stuff. I think the other thing is that, like, honestly, I think the like the setting just isn't good enough. They they found the worst lake. There's that part where she's like, <laughs> she's like, my friend died by falling over this wall, and it's like, and she they pause everything to look at this wall, and I'm like, that's like nothing. That's like a <laughs> that's like a couple of bricks. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, and it's just like not a very compa- like, you know, like sometimes the setting matters. The Friday the 13th setting is pretty good. It feels like a real deep forest. This one, half the time when she's running around, I'm like, I can see the edge of the forest. Just run. <laughs> like, Just leave. Just, just get le- out of walk here. Walk out of the woods. I don't think he can chase you. He seems pretty grounded to the area. Like, um, Yeah. 
Friday the 13th does a good job of establishing just how remote it is yeah. and how hard it is to get out of there without assistance. Right. I'm also coming um, off of watching a series of movies all about people lost in the woods and getting brutally murdered. It's <laughs> um, true. So, true. So I'm like, I'm used to seeing people who it's like, yeah, this looks like if you get lost, you're fucking screwed. Like, but in this one, yeah. it was like, if you get lost here, I'm pretty sure if you walk like 10 minutes in any direction, you're fine. Like, you're out of the woods at that point. Um, Cause it was, it looks like very sparse woods. It, do, it just, you know, not even like, yeah, I don't know. It just, if you're going to do a lost in the woods type thing, you probably need to pick better woods. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. About that. You do need a really good woods. There like, are, a, like, and there are a lot of good thing. forests in America that, you know, we, we say, I think a lot about that part in the Blair witch project where she's like, it's very hard to get lost in America these days. And that was in the nineties. And I'm like, that's actually not true. And it's still not true. So, I mean, other than like cell phones, you know, we now it'd be yeah. hard because of cell phones. But, uh, you know, if you didn't have a cell phone, that's not true. There are a lot if of you very get big remote forests. enough. If you get remote enough that you, you can't reach a tower, like you could still get really fucking lost. Yeah. It There's happens. still parts of parts of the country where you can't get cell service. Yes, absolutely. Oh, the dream. Other, um. <laughs> Long to be lost in the woods um, with no cell service. Yeah. Um, oh, so yeah, look. miss all the emails. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's let's talk the next segment. Uh, the sick thing that happened to Emily when she was younger. Um, this is my favorite segment. This is interestingly this one, directed by Joe Swanberg. <laughs> yeah, directed by Joe Swanberg. Um, perhaps the most accomplished of the directors on this list. Um, he's directed movies such as Drinking Buddies, such as Hannah Takes the Stairs. He's done a lot of stuff outside of horror. Actually, like, this is one of the few things he's done that's horror-based. Yeah, ho- horror like, is not his primary genre. Um, so it's interesting. He's Although more he, the, he did the write mumblecore and, side. He did write and produce The Rental, which was sort of a horror that came out last year. Um, the Dave, the, the Dave Franco directorial debut. Um, Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, I might have to check that out. Yes. It actually wasn't but, bad. I encourage watching it. It was not bad. It, and it has like some, it, it's got, it, yeah, it, Dave Franco directs it and Joe Swanberg did like the writing and stuff and production and like Dan Stevens and Allison Bree star. So it's got those like Ooh. mumble core, like, you know, people who do this sort of film, right? And yes. like work. Um, so it's actually worth checking out. So plug for the rental. Um, it wasn't great, but it was good. Um, <laughs> Not great, but good. I liked it. So like the, it. Uh, the, anyway. the Matt seal of approval. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah so he, he's done some great stuff. He's worked with uh, the Dupless brothers and uh, Greta Gerwig. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's probably got the most, cred of anyone going into this he also acted in the uh the second honeymoon segment and uh this is this is my favorite segment of the whole thing this uh whole segment is played out through like skype chats um kind of like you know unfriended dark web or um host other movies like that um this was really one of the first ones to do something like this i would say 2012 what else had come out had unfriended the first one come out by then i don't think so i think that came out in like 2015 some sometime around there 
Yeah, it, I mean, like it, for 2012, this is very early for like video. Yeah, I mean, chat I, d- based I distinctly film. remember when I saw this, I thought it was like pretty early in that world. The Den wasn't long after, I think. Um, yes, yeah, I, I like the Den. That was a good one. Yeah, uh, but I do think this was one of the earlier ones. I agree with that, um, and it makes sense that one of the earlier ones would be like a short, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, just feeling it, it's really feeling out the format here it, it it's kind of hard to make a feature length video chat based film um yes. and the few um films that have attempted this have usually done it quite well but it takes a lot of really strong storytelling to make that work right. um in this short i think um it does a decent amount of short storytelling in the short time that it has, and it works quite effectively. Um, it's basically just a series of video chats between a, uh, a boyfriend and girlfriend who are in a long distance relationship or so it seems. Uh, <laughs> uh, and this, this girl is like having these weird experiences. She keeps, uh, she's, having strange stuff she has like a weird bump on her arm that she keeps talking about um she sometimes hears noises um outside her room that she has no explanation for um and as the thing develops it becomes clear that she's actually a part of some sort of experiment uh in which the boyfriend is involved And he's actually, like, he's not long distance. He's actually, like, right there and able to come in and intervene. Uh, It's it's very fucked up. (laughs) So, my, you know what? So, I I alluded, I mentioned earlier, and I paused myself from saying it. What I thought the most of when I was watching this, I was like, are they living through the coronavirus pandemic? Because, like, why can't she leave her house and go see a real doctor or, like, talk to a real police officer about the fact that she sees, like, little boys running through her home and has a lump in her arm. Go see help. Go talk to someone. What are we doing here? Like, it was, like, truly bizarre that she was just like, oh, yeah, I have this lump in my arm, but instead I'm just going to pull something out of my arm myself. What? Excuse me? What's wrong with you? Um or when she's like, oh, yeah, there's somebody running through my house, so I'll just call my Skype boyfriend. And it's like, um, have you considered calling, like, the actual police? Like, I mean, not to advocate for cops here, no propaganda, but, like, that's, like, what they're here for. It's like if somebody is literally in your home when they're not supposed to be there. Right. So I feel like the police could actually be helpful yes. here. So, like, could she not, like, call, like... She's just, like, doing nothing to help herself. She's, like, doing, like, she's just, like, well, maybe my boyfriend will solve everything for me. I'm, like, what is wrong with you, Emily? What What are you doing? What, what, what are you doing? Um, it's very, I don't know. It's very I, like, the, the conspiracy in this seems to be pretty widespread because, like, she sees a doctor and the doctor diagnoses her as schizoaffective. Which Whoa, would be... What real a, doctor would not to diagnose you with schizoaffective if you said, I had a lump in my arm that then he's not going to find because we know that they've removed a fetus from her body. 
And then, and you said, and by the way, I saw ghost children and people running through my home and heard them. That's what they're yes. going to say. They're going to say you're schizoaffective. All this, all this would sound exactly like schizoaffective or schizophrenia yes. if like this wasn't all actually happening and the right. people around you were actively conspiring to keep this a secret. Right. So, of course, um, even a doctor who's not in on it, if you just say... By the way, I see children running through my home who shouldn't be there, and there was a lump in my arm that I tried to dig out, but now it's gone mysteriously, and maybe I have a scar down my torso now. Um, they'd be like, yes, you are in fact schizoaffective. This is a problem. Even if they're not in on it, that's what they'd say. Like, so it's just like, I, she just should have seen somebody far earlier in the process. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, um, God, the the psychological implications of this one. Yes, she's. Uh, I mean, she's obviously a victim. Pretty of disturbing. Psychological manipulation and abuse. Like that's also very true. I don't want to like shame her too much. Um, this guy kind of is not. Her boyfriend is. I mean, obviously he's not a good guy, but like he's not. He's not. He's like he's basically like he's not really in a relationship with her. He's like some sort of. Uh, like experimenter and it's revealed like at the end that he's got some other girl that he's doing this with as well remember like there's a part where she's like you deserve better than me and he's like stop acting like I have a choice in the matter and it's like Does that... <laughs> like that's like one of those lines that they say in like Twilight and it's supposed to be romantic like don't pretend <laughs> I have a choice in the matter but in this case it's like not even meant to be romantic like he's like Stop pretending I have a choice in the matter. Like, it has a double meaning. You yeah. Know? It's like, he's like, I'm in love with you, so I can't choose right. whether you're crazy so, or not. But really, it's like, I can't choose this because I'm a part of this experiment or whatever. Yes. She <sighs> reads it as, he's I'm helping so the in aliens. love with you. I can't help it. I, have, I can't do anything else other than be with you. But what it really means is that, like, I don't have a choice. I was, like, assigned to you. You're my assignment. I can't. I can't change that. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> um, at least he's kind of upfront about it. Um, but she doesn't, she doesn't process that well because he's like, we see throughout, like he's like gaslit her so well that she's like completely dependent on him. Like when she's like, I saw something running through my house. I hear the footsteps and she's trying to dig this thing out of her arm. And he's like, you're acting crazy, Emily. And it's like, she clearly has something going on. Like, <laughs> how dare you tell her she's acting crazy? Of course, that's his point. He's trying to manipulate her. But like, um, yeah, yeah, it's just it's the, it's the manipulation in this one that really yeah. gets me. It's yeah. it's it's scary. Yeah, it's very, very creepy. Yes. Um. So yeah. Um. Then our next segment is the last one. Um. And this one actually takes place after the end of the frame story, which is kind of interesting. Right. Um, everyone gets killed in the frame story, and then this last tape just, like, starts itself. Right. And then plays us out. Um, this one was interesting. Like, I didn't remember this one from my previous watches of this film. Um, but it's it's pretty fun. It's called 103198. Yes. It is a, a 1998 period piece yes. uh, set on Halloween. 
And it's basically just like this uh, this bunch of guys go out to what they think is a friend's Halloween party, but they end up at like a haunt, an actual haunted house. Yes. Where there's like some sort of demonic ritual happening, and then they get like attacked by the whatever demons or ghosts are in the house. Yes. Um, it's it's pretty fun. Um. The conceit for the film is that one of them is dressed up as a nanny cam. So he's like he's like wearing a teddy bear outfit and he has a camera. Yes. <laughs> and so he's like filming the whole thing. So you get to see them like drive over to this house and they just walk in and it's like empty and they walk through all these rooms and like creepy stuff keeps happening. Um, and they're like, oh, this is <laughs> these are really good effects they have here. Um, and then they, they wander up into the attic where there's like some sort of demonic ritual happening with like this girl who's chained up and like people chanting stuff. And then they, they find out the things are a lot more real than they thought they were. Yes. It's, um, they sure do. And I gotta say, this is just why you don't. You don't just go to mysterious haunted houses that you found on the internet. Like, and that don't have, like, their own website or whatever. Like, if a place doesn't have its own website, you probably shouldn't go. You just shouldn't do that. You should not go to a place that does not have its own webpage. Well, in 1998, not everybody had a webpage. Well, so in 1998, knows? you shouldn't do things. And so... Uh, <laughs> if you're in 1998, just stay put. <laughs> the real times are coming. What do you in nineteen ninety eight what you should do is not go to haunted houses that aren't like publicly advertised at a lot of places, you know? Like yeah. which this one clearly was not publicly advertised at a lot of places. They were like mm-hmm. this is like it's sort of like what, the houses October built, where it's like, Oh, this is one of those really <laughs> underground haunted houses. And it's like I just like would not do that. And I will do a the lot people- of things. <laughs> The, the the people the main characters in the houses October built are extremely stupid. That's so. true. They're very stupid. Um, can't you know? Yeah, that's you know, can't fault them for just not having intelligence. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this one is fun, and once it becomes like this, also had a sort of like House of the Devil vibe to it. Like you know, they're like wandering through this house, and nothing's happening for a while, and you're like, what's going on? And then they get upstairs and it's just like, and here's the devil ritual featuring actual people dying. And you're like, hmm. right. That scene, that scene reminded me a lot of House of the Devil. Yeah. It felt like exact, like there's almost a, a carbon copy of that scene. in Right. The movie. It's, it's almost like, intentional. And maybe it is. Maybe, you know, there, there's reason to think it is just because of who's involved in this movie. Um, yeah. But, I mean, Ty West directed that and is it directed a segment in this movie as well. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fun segment. They, they then have to like leave while taking the like victim of the devil cult worship ritual. They're trying to carry her out. Cause she's been like <clears throat> traumatized and injured by these people trying to, I guess, sacrifice her to Satan or whatever it is. Um, I don't even really know what's going on. Like, is it demonic? It, it's like, is the house just like a real haunted house? There are arms reaching out of the walls. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's it's unclear. Like like many of the segments in this, we never really get a clear answer as to what's going on. But that's you know that's part of the fun. That it's I mean, just it, like it makes crazy sense. stuff it's, happening. It's, it's in a short, like you, you're not going to get the Google montage that you normally get in like a <laughs> supernatural horror film. Um, yeah, 
but it's interesting. Um, and I like uh, it. I like the sequence. I thought I think it's fun. Um, it's good. It's uh, fun seeing a it's 1998 period piece. Love a here. period piece from the 90s. It is. Um, it's directed and written by the people behind Ready or Not, which was a very good movie. Um, Ooh. So worth noting. It's the Radio Silence team. Yes. Um, the I guess Radio Silence is like a collective. Um, mm-hmm. of sorts. Yeah, man. Ready or not is fantastic. That's uh, it's amazing that they they after after so many years they've come and done something else with uh such a big uh footprint. You know. Yeah, ready or not is like very very good. Um, they're also gonna do the new Scream movie. Um, the people who the, the ooh um so Bettinelli Open, Matt Bettinelli Open, and Tyler Gillett. And they are, they're two of the people in Radio Silence who helped write the this segment and direct it. Um, the director credits for this segment just goes to Radio Silence as a whole. But mm-hmm. Bettinelli Open and Gillett are like credited as the director of Ready or Not and will be directing Scream. So Yeah. They they also act in this segment. Yes. I think like the the filmmaker collective both directed, wrote, and acted in this whole segment. Right. Kind of an interesting uh, vibe there. Yeah. It's kind of fun. It's fun, right? Um, yeah. So. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the whole vibe of this, this movie. It's just, it's very indie, very much like you're just working with the people that you know, making the film, uh, acting in it, directing it, writing it, all that stuff. Right. Um, it's very It's very cool. And I think the ultimately... It works out really well. This is like this whole film is like, um, like the ultimate like twenty four hour film festival type thing. It does feel like like that. um, That, Yeah, (laughs) all like homegrown, like to the roots filmmaking. Just you know, shoestring type stuff. Right. Um, it's very good. Yeah, that's the last segment. Overall, I I love this movie. It's so good. Um. It's exactly what filmmaking is supposed to be. Yeah. You know, it's fun. It's fresh. It's exciting. It has a cool theme to it that it really, like, even with all the different directors working on this movie, making all their segments apart from one another, it all, you know, sort of ties together thematically really well. Right. And towards the end of the film, like, with even down to the closing credits... As soon as this thing stopped, I I realized that I was hearing like the whirring VCR motor the entire time, um, and then that dropped out, and I was just like, oh wow, like that was like the background noise of this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just it's it's tied together so well. It it fills it fills out to a really well built world that they made in this movie and. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a great, it's just a great movie. It's a great exercise in filmmaking as a whole. Um, big fan. Big fan. Very spooky. <laughs> yeah. And there are more movies in this series as well. There, there was a, a VHS 2 and a VHS viral Okay, that's okay. I was trying to remember what the the two sequels were called, but yes, VHS two and VHS viral. Um, yeah. So and we'll be both, talking. Yeah, they're 
you know, we'll talk about them eventually. <laughs> we will talk about them eventually. You know, as with any sequels, there's a bit of a drop off. Um, the the sequels, it you know, it, it's harder to to follow up something like this and make it as hard hitting with the th- with the themes and everything. But um, at least in the later installments, there's some pretty good segments. Um, yeah, the films overall aren't as good as the first one, but there are some really good segments in the other ones. Yes. So definitely worth visiting, definitely worth checking out. Highly recommend everyone watch VHS. It's a really fun horror movie. Um, Got a lot of interesting stuff going on, and it's not like too gory or scary or like fucked up. So I I feel like most people would like it. Um, It's just a really great movie. (laughs) Yeah, I'd hesitate on the most people would like it, but if you don't like <laughs> horror, I don't think you're gonna like this movie. But um. <laughs> yeah, well, it's 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 hard to say. I'd say that it's it's more low key than most horror movies. Yes, more approachable, but who knows? I mean, everybody's got different stuff that turns them off. They sure do. <laughs> but yes, yes. So. That is our take on VHS. Until next time, you can find us on all the major platforms. Give us a listen. Give us a review if you like what you're hearing. And um, you can also reach out to us. We're on email. (laughs) We are on email, yes. Everybody's everybody's doing emails these days. Are you on email? I'm on email. You can reach us at buzzedonmovies at gmail.com. Find us in the chat rooms. Yeah. (laughs) Find us on on AIM. Yes. Um, Yeah, that's sufficiently 90s for you. You can also find us on Twitter, um, at buzzedonmovies. And until next time, we'll see you at the movies. We'll see ya at the movies or in the abandoned house with the large VHS tape deck. <laughs>